0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: And hello, everyone. Today I have... uh, interview with my friend Samus and we have a discussion on the PhD research that we have done in the previous years and especially we want to into into uh, academic area and also give some advice for people who want to join this area you know as a good um, uh, advice or tips that we can provide it and uh, hello can you do an uh, introduction yourself
0: uh, hi. Well, thanks for having me. My name is Sam. I am a lecturer in marketing at Lincoln University.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, what's your research subject in in your PhD?
0: Uh, so my PhD looks at meat substitutes. Mm-hmm. So things like the Beyond Burger or Impossible Burger, mm-hmm. um, and trying to understand the consumer behaviour behind mm-hmm. those products.
1: Okay. So do you think those, um, like the research, can provide some? Um, benefits for the real-world practice, especially for like people doing consumption on those products?
0: I think so. Um, the intent for the research was not only to help the companies that are mm-hmm. making those products, yeah. but to also understand how we can encourage uh, more people to use them mm-hmm. to sort of mitigate things like um, environmental pollution and resource mm-hmm. use um, yeah. as an alternative to sort of meat products. Mm.
1: And I always heard something about uh, the climate change, yeah. you know, is uh, sometimes related to agriculture or people consumption on those products. Do you think there has some correlations between those subjects?
0: Between climate change and yeah. like animal agriculture? Mm, something like oh, that. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, so from my research, I've looked at reports from like, the United Nations mm-hmm. and World Health Organization and places like that, um, and there is mounting evidence mm-hmm. that um, animal ag in particular can have quite a negative impact yeah. on. The environment and um, exacerbate climate change. So yeah. mm-hmm. this sort of shift away from high consumption of meat towards yeah. more mm. um, plant-based alternatives is definitely yeah. going to be a positive. I think.
1: Okay. So what is the um, the motivation when you're going to into to this research?
0: Why did I choose to do this research in particular? Yeah. Um so it was quite a personal topic for me. Mm-hmm. I went vegan uh, about 3 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess I wanted to sort of understand other people's experiences that were yeah. similar to mine. Mm-hmm. Um and just sort of see how I could possibly um get more people to sort of understand mm-hmm. how or the understand the impact that our diet can mm-hmm. have on the planet.
1: Yeah. And as as I know, you know in is a PhD it's a long-term process, you know. I just finished my PhD for four years. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. In artificial intelligence. So, I think the way of doing a PhD is firstly, it should be quite interesting in the area and must be attractive. Otherwise, it can be boring.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, It's probably one of the biggest long term projects you will ever do Mm -hmm. by yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're not invested personally in the research area, I imagine that would be very challenging to mm-hmm. sort of stay motivated and yeah. to get it done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do, so, what do you think is the most attractive aspect in this research that provides you the strongest motivation to keep going?
0: I guess ultimately I wanted to feel like I was making a difference mm-hmm. and that I could make a positive impact for people and the planet. Mm-hmm. And I felt that research in this area in particular was a way that I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a marketing background, so yep. I really wanted to be able to use marketing tools and those mm-hmm. marketing skills, um, but in a way that was beneficial to the world mm-hmm. rather than just increasing um, a company's bottom line.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was um, research on um, human behavior simulation, so I understand that human behavior can affect a lot in different progress, whatever they're doing production or they do doing consumption. So, so in your research aspect, what do you find in those like the food consumption or something that related to human behavior or their you know, personal preference, those things?
0: I think what i found most interesting was that even though something like food Mm -hmm. is very functional right like we have to eat to survive but Mm -hmm. there is so much else attached to our um perceptions of food and our attitudes towards certain products within the food space Mm -hmm. and it can be heavily cultural as well so Mm -hmm. in new zealand we're like a predominantly animal ag nation and Mm -hmm. so Uh, meat and dairy production is very tied up to our sort of national identity and there is research that shows that people who reject those notions can Mm -hmm. sometimes be considered unpatriotic um, in some way. So Mm -hmm. in this research uh, it was really interesting to see just sort of how Um, committed some people are to sort of the consumption of meat and how it can Mm be quite challenging to get them to think about eating even just a little bit less Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily cutting out completely but Mm -hmm. it can be very challenging for some people. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And also in in those human behavior research especially social aspect related we normally need to interaction with people from you know the side you know the context the environment and this is also sometimes a challenge because um, it's, it's difficult to design some of the context for that interaction. You know, you want to make the interaction to be accurate and useful to get those data, for example. And also the, the COVID may affect some of the things for interaction between people, face-to-face to, talking. So do you think in, in, those, in those progress, are those eff- factors affect your research?
0: Um, personal interactions Mm -hmm. definitely, Um, so vegans in particular are heavily Mm stigmatised and so often when people who don't eat meat go to Mm -hmm. something like a barbecue or to Christmas Mm -hmm. or to any kind of potluck or any sort of social Mm -hmm. event that centres on food, Mm -hmm. um, they experience a lot of anxiety because they don't want to be sort of not necessarily bullied but Mm -hmm. kind of criticized by their friends and family and their peers Mm -hmm. Um, and so their social interaction Mm -hmm. can be very important Yeah. Um, but also with products like meat substitutes we are seeing that they or what I found from my research is that they're actually helping to reduce that stigma because if I'm bringing um, a packet of Mm -hmm. plant-based meat patties that look pretty much like the um, the real thing mm-hmm. people go oh like you don't eat weird food like you mm-hmm. eat food that's similar to what i'm eating mm-hmm. i can participate in the barbecue and mm-hmm. i can sort of still engage in those social interactions mm-hmm. whereas historically um meat-free substitutes have been perceived as kind of gross or mm-hmm. um not very tasty and they were not seen as as normal, I guess, mm-hmm. as they are now. So this mm-hmm. increased normalisation is really helping, I think, with those social interactions mm-hmm. and helping to normalise and destigmatise um,
1: yeah. meat-free eating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, by taking those um, uh, research, do you think what is the most difficult it seems to be from a student, to be an academic profession?
0: Um, I think one of the things that I found really hard is that when you're working in a university environment, Mm -hmm. particularly in the academic side, Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone that you work with is more educated and more experienced than you (laughs) are. You know, when you start, you're at the bottom of the ladder, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I haven't got a PhD yet, so Mm -hmm. I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is hard to sort of feel... um, like you deserve to be there I think mm-hmm. imposter syndrome for me particularly was mm-hmm. a real challenge to get over
1: okay.
0: um, I'm about six months into my job now and I'm starting to feel more settled and like I have a better understanding of how the mm-hmm. job works and what I'm doing but mm-hmm. I think that can be quite a challenge mm-hmm. um, also academia in particular Uh, universities tend to heavily recruit from all over the world, Mm. uh, probably more so than other industries, Mm -hmm. and so you have to be prepared to compete with people from all over the planet, Mm -hmm. and chances are they've probably been to better universities than you have, Mm -hmm. or they have more publications than you do. Or they had more teaching experience. So coming yeah. from a small country like New Zealand um, and having done my degrees here, like, I found that quite stressful to think about all the competition yeah. out there. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, no, I was very fortunate enough to get a job here, so I'm very pleased.
1: <laughs> That's good. And when you, f- you, you found it s- somehow stressful, the how do you release that stress?
0: Um, I think I've had to get better at saying no to things. Mm -hmm. I think when you're starting out, um, you can get into a habit of saying yes to every opportunity that comes your way. So when a colleague Mm. asks for help or you get invited to a new project or to teach an extra course Mm. or to, um help out with another research project, mm-hmm. you have to recognise that not all opportunities are equal, mm-hmm. and you do have to work really hard to set boundaries about you know which kinds of opportunities you are going to choose to engage in, mm-hmm. and which ones you don't think are sort of within your realm of mm-hmm. expertise, and do sort of work to maintain those boundaries, because otherwise you'll be working mm-hmm. every hour of the day, and mm-hmm. that can sort of increase anxiety and stress as well. Yeah.
1: how do you think about the time management?
0: I'm still working on that. (laughs) Um, I like to think that I'm a very organized person Mm -hmm. um, so I do try to stick to a sort of nine to five Monday to Friday work week but at the end of the day like particularly when there are assignments that need to be marked or Mm -hmm. things like that you do kind of have to accept that okay I'm going to be working more hours this week but Mm -hmm. generally speaking I try to set um, hours for myself and I try to work really hard to stick with that because mm-hmm. I think downtime is really important right. not only for productivity but also managing stress and anxiety and things like yeah. that so um, I do have quite firm boundaries about my sort of work and mm-hmm. home
1: life. Yeah I think the walking strategy is quite important uh, especially when doing research you know when you're doing publication you know when I was doing AI research I need to do uh, publication and coding, testing for those things around the software system, you know, it's a kind of mod- multiple tasks go into multiple line, timelines. So it's really needs a, a good working strategy that can form high efficiency.
0: Yes, mm. do you find that when you are sort of in the midst of a project, it mm-hmm. can be very easy just to work all day mm. and in the weekends and stuff?
1: Yeah, when you get used to working in this, in this pattern, yeah. you find it's much easier compared with the starting point. And you know, when you go to be more experienced, and I was um, published nearly ten papers during the whole PhD, including four book chapters in artificial intelligence. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's a uh, a lot of work. But I found it's it's quite interesting, you know, because you you always concentrate on this on this area, you you found more and more, um, you know, productive. The, to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. I think also too, like a lot of academics we work on projects that we're mm-hmm. personally passionate about mm-hmm. and the more passionate you are about something, the mm-hmm. harder it is to separate your work from home life. Did yeah. you find that <laughs> as well?
1: I found it's, uh, it's, it's okay because in um, you know, the firstly, we, I work with my supervisor. You know, you have a team to work together. And also when you think about your daily life, it uh, really depends on the time management. I mean, if you have a good time management, you have working time, and some leisure time as well, you know, and I also, you know, practice a lot of driving, in, in Christchurch because I, uh, get want to get uh, the driver license, you know, the New Zealand driver license, so I pay a lot of time on driving, and I drive nearly six thousand kilometers from now, you know, I mean the accumulated the distance, you know, to get uh, the, the the testing pass, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, and this is quite interesting as well, because you can observing a lot of nature resource here in Christchurch, which is uh, sometimes make you feel quite happy. Yes. You know, your, yeah. your brain thinking in this way, you know, your brain have a have a time to, you know, to take a rest and then to go on for the research again. Yes, yeah.
0: I, I totally agree. I think sometimes it's easy to fall into the pattern of thinking and mm-hmm. taking your rest time. Um, is unproductive, but mm-hmm. actually stepping away from the computer, going for yeah. a walk, mm-hmm. getting some fresh air, getting something to eat and then coming back to it can actually be more
1: productive in the mm-hmm. long run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you have to do something different from the research, yes. I mean totally different. Yeah, And then you can have an uh, interaction for your brain, you know, that's better. You know. Did
0: you teach as well when you were studying?
1: Uh, not yet. Uh, I'm going to teaching from uh, next week with some um, to do some software development teaching in this area. But during my PhD research, I was totally focused on the area because I have to do a lot of publications.
0: I was going <laughs> to say, no wonder you had all those book chapters and publications because yeah. you weren't teaching. Yeah, um, I had the opposite experience. Oh. So I was lecturing right from the start of my PhD. Oh, so okay. Um, Any contract that came across my desk, I was like, yes, please. I want all this experience because I wanted to um, take up an academic position at the end of it. Mm -hmm. So right from an early stage, I decided that a career in academia is what I wanted. And so I was working not only to complete the PhD, but also to try and build up that experience and tutoring Mm -hmm. and lecturing and course Mm -hmm. design and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, I do not have as many publications as you, but... um, Yeah, I found that balance between stepping away from research and engaging in teaching also kind Mm -hmm. of helped with sort of resetting my brain and Mm -hmm. giving me a bit of a break.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah. And also because the AI is booming fast, so the research team over the world all wants to dominate that area through the publication. So they want to be, you know, expertise in this area and leading this area. So there's serious competition from different you know different area when like Europe, Americans, Australia. So I I attend some conference in Melbourne mm-hmm. and Beijing and knowing some information and people working in the related area and found it's firstly it's competitive and it's it's quite interesting. It's had valuable things to go on in the future. Yes, yeah. I
0: mean the PhD if you enrolled full time is mm-hmm. three to four years in yeah. New Zealand but one thing that you don't necessarily realise when you're enrolled is mm-hmm. that your subject area, a lot can change in that time.
1: Right. And yeah. you can
0: pick a topic at the start thinking, okay, I'm one of the few people mm-hmm. in this space. And then by the time you finish and start trying to publish, you realise, well, actually, mm-hmm. in that three years, hundreds of papers yeah. could have come mm-hmm. out in mm-hmm. that space. So that is that kind of pressure to publish yeah. early in right. that competition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my area is kind of the same as well, like mm-hmm. in meat substitutes, veganism, meat reduction,
1: mm-hmm. all
0: that kind of thing. Like we are seeing a lot more mm-hmm. publications coming out mm-hmm. in the area too, so I can totally relate. Yeah,
1: and when I was in Melbourne to attend that called Australian Computer Modeling Simulation Conference, and I found um, people from all over the world to show their simulation, because simulation works in all the area. We are simulation the software product line. so. It's a it's a competition, and we even win the the best paper in Australia. You did. Yeah.
0: Oh wow, that's yeah. impressive.
1: So the simulation really attracted me to go forward. Yeah. Know, so it's not just a, you know do your PhD. It's really a passion in that. That that make you feel driven to do that research. Yes,
0: I yeah. agree. And I think yeah. if you're starting a PhD and you haven't got that passion, mm-hmm. um, you probably would find it very hard. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. I found doing a PhD, it's a very isolating experience,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I'm not sure about you, but I didn't have very many people in my life that I okay. knew who had done a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the first one in my family to have done postgraduate okay. qualifications. Mm-hmm. so. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting into okay. I don't think um, <laughs> I assumed it would be like doing a masters where you have mm-hmm. a cohort of peers that are yeah. doing it with you but mm-hmm. um, in my experience it was not like that at all okay. um, it's obviously a very independent degree but mm-hmm. um, it can be very isolating did you find that
1: yeah sometimes isolating makes you have a thoughtful thinking yeah you know it's you need some time to be isolated yeah but join with your supervisor team you know that's important yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that supervisor relationship, when I, mean, I can't emphasise how important it's that very is. important.
1: Yes. I think it's the most critical relationship in a PhD.
0: Oh, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And in my time, I was a advisor on the postgraduate mm-hmm. sort of student advisory group, and one of the most common complaints we got mm-hmm. um, were regarding. Um, breakdowns in Uh, that relationship so if you Mm. don't pick your supervisors well at the start Mm -hmm. that can have a huge negative implication Mm -hmm. for your Mm -hmm. PhD experience. Mm.
1: Supervisor is very important in a PhD project.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it's not just about them helping you with the research, but mm-hmm. also about helping you get into conferences yeah. and mm-hmm. funding for conferences mm-hmm. and advice about publication strategies yeah. and even uh, potential jobs afterwards. And mm-hmm. it's not just about the PhD. It's kind of all that peripheral yeah. activities as it's well. A,
1: it's a life cycle. It is. Yeah. It's a
0: huge life cycle. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you necessarily appreciate that mm-hmm. right at the start when you're mm-hmm. picking who you want to be your supervisor. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, and do you have some advice for students that, I mean the future students, want to join a PhD research?
0: Um, I have a couple of points. I yeah. think the first one is to choose a topic that you're passionate about, mm-hmm. I think that's something we've discussed quite a lot yeah. um, today. And I can't emphasise it enough. If you're not passionate about it, you're going to find it very hard to keep mm-hmm. up that motivation for mm-hmm. three to four years. Yes. I mean, my topic was very personally passionate for me. And yeah. even I found it hard to mm-hmm. maintain that level of productivity and commitment to the work for such a long period of time. Yeah. Um, so that's my first point. Uh, the second one, I think, would be about talking to somebody possibly who has recently completed a PhD mm-hmm. in your area or mm-hmm. at your university, mm-hmm. um, Oftentimes, we're talking to lecturers and professors about doing a PhD yeah. but most of them finished 10 or more years, years ago, ago yeah. and mm-hmm. so their experience isn't going to be as uh, relevant mm. as someone who's completed recently mm-hmm. and chances are they've probably blocked out all the bad stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think it's relevant or important to talk to someone that's completed recently just so yeah. you know what you're getting into and mm-hmm. so you can prepare for what the journey is going to entail. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, like we've said, that supervisor relationship, but also surrounding yourself with really good people. So whether it's supervisors, other PhD students, friends, family, and having that kind of network, Mm -hmm. not only to support your mental health, but also to keep you accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like... A master's program or a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. where you've got deadlines and coursework to complete. I mean mm-hmm. you need to build your own accountability and deadlines yeah. mm-hmm. and if you don't have that network um, it can be very easy to just slip into mm. um, lower productivity levels and not mm. keeping up with the work. So. Yeah right
1: and from my perspective I will continue to do post uh, postdoctor in the future and I think it's quite a valuable time especially on the global pandemic that you can focus on your research you know, you you keep your work going without being affected by that pandemic,
0: especially in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I think the world every day. I feel so grateful to be able to go and work on a mm-hmm. campus. Yeah. Um, I think that can be very easy to forget, living here in New Zealand, just Mm -hmm. what the rest of the world is experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are in a very privileged position to be able to go and work on a campus and have face-to-face engagements with students and to be able to meet with our colleagues and our research peers. Mm -hmm. um, Because if we were living anywhere else, that probably wouldn't be the case.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you for uh, talking with us today. And we're going to have uh, another session next time. Yeah, thank you for your listen.
0: Thank you very much.